NHL in a nutshell back again for another week. I uh, just want to shout out to all of our listeners who listened to the first episode. A couple good comments back from a few listeners, which is always great to hear. Feel free to chime in on our Twitter page, which will be in the bio of this. Uh, still working on getting Instagram, Facebook, everything like that going. But uh, feedback is always welcome. It's been a big couple weeks in the NHL, so I want to kick I want to kick the podcast right off by diving into your favorite segment, the Big Three. Big news out of Edmonton this week. Edmonton Oilers fired their head coach, Jay Woodcroft, after starting the season 2-9-1. They ended up hiring McDavid's former OHL coach out of Erie. Um, It's an interesting move. In in my point of view, it sounds like they just are desperate to keep McDavid around, which is interesting in my my point of view. Um, And to bring in a guy who hasn't had any had any experience at the NHL coaching level. I'm not sure that's exactly what this team needs. They are in a win win now mode or, or or go home. They need to win a cup this year or need to get into the cup final at least. It's it's definitely an interesting move, but I guess we'll see how it plays out. I guess after they lost to the league's worst San Jose Sharks who only have 3 points thus far. I think that was the final straw for Jay Woodcroft. But uh, they bring in the new guy, and I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But uh, it sounds like this is McDavid's team, and it's McDavid's call. And with his agent recently taken over as the president and CEO of the Edmonton Oilers, I I guess that's that's the way this, this team is going. Uh, the Global Series kicks off this week with the Ottawa Senators, Minnesota Wild, Detroit Red Wings, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're all playing in Stockholm, Sweden. It's a different way of getting more fans involved in the game. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a Leafs fan. My listeners know that. If I have to wake up on Sunday morning to watch a, watch an NHL game at 8 a.m., it's kind of weird, but it's, it's different. I'm sure it means a lot for guys like Nylander, Lilligren, guys who are from Sweden to play in front of their families. I'm sure they've sold tons of tickets and and everything like that. It's definitely weird, but, hey, it kicks off this week, and I guess we'll have to wait and see how that goes. Uh, Last bit of the big three, after losing losing against the Toronto Maple Leafs, the the Calgary Flames uh, star defenseman Nikita Zadorov decided he was going to request a trade. It was very interesting because it sounded like this request came directly after the game. It was about 9.30 Eastern time on, on Friday when the game ended, and then all of a sudden, half an hour later, there was, there was tweets flying from from his agent himself just kind of saying weird things. Like he was commenting back on fans reaching out to him saying, Hey, Zadorov's a free agent at the end of the year. Is there any chance we can keep him? And it's he was pretty blunt about it and said, "No, not if you're going to not give your minutes to your top guys." It's just which is crazy. And then half an hour later, uh, at around ten o'clock, he tweeted, "Here comes the Zadorov train. Get your Leafs Forever tickets today." And Zadorov, with the way Calgary's going this year, it. it, it it's not a surprise, but it's it's an interesting take when your agent goes out on social media and kind of 
says things like that but nonetheless around yeah half an hour after they stepped off the ice it sounded like they wanted to or they both decided it was time to get out of Calgary and formally requested a trade. I don't see it happening anytime soon, but with the way Calgary's going, the Pacific is, is a tough division. I don't see them making it very far, so maybe they'll end up being sellers, and we'll see Zadorov in, in a Leafs jersey. It sounds like that's one of the locations he wants to go to, the Leafs, New Jersey, and Vancouver, but we'll... We shall see what happens. I had the privilege of catching up with Toronto Star columnist Dave Festchuk, and I included the interview in this episode, and I started off by asking him what has he seen from the Leafs thus far that differs from last season? Well, there's a lot of different faces, Hunter, and happy to happy to join you on, on the show, but you know, to me, it's a lot of the same themes, right? I think we're, I think, you know, and that's the frustrating thing. You know, I wrote in my season preview column for the Toronto Star that, you know, one of the sad things about this era of the Shanna plan, these seven seasons that we've just lived through, is that, you know, the team's lack of success in the playoffs outside of that modicum of success in winning one series uh, against Tampa and then obviously falling flat on their face in the very next series to Florida to definitely dull, uh, dull the happiness and the joy that was briefly expressed in Leafland. One of the sad things about that whole run is that it's been made it very difficult to get invested in the regular season for anybody that's paying attention. Right. Because, you know, I ran the numbers over, over a seven year span uh, in the history of the NHL, there's never been a team that has been, as good as the Leafs in the regular season, and they're playing at a, you know a six twenty plus you know points percentage, and yet be as bad as the Leafs have been in the postseason over that same span, and they're they're like at a four twenty winning percentage in the postseason. Uh, there's never been a team that's you know had these kind of, this dichotomy of being a really good regular season team and then just an abysmal failure in the playoffs, and so you know it's it makes it very difficult to say the regular season means anything, right? Which is, which is a problem. I, I would say if you're trying to run a hockey team. So, um, and yet, you know, I do, I do think you can draw some meaning from the regular season. And even though um, we, there is that dichotomy of the record being polar opposite from one to the other. And, and one of the things I think that we're going to keep talking about, and we've been talking about for many, many seasons is the blue line. And, and this year might be, you know, the most glaring issues on the blue line that we've seen in quite some time, because with the exit of Luke Shen, who, be, you know, who showed up and became a stalwart alongside Morgan Riley during the playoffs after the trade deadline, um, with the addition of John Klingberg, who is showing the warts that everybody feared he had as a, as a blue liner, um, this is just this blue line is just not good enough. I think everybody that runs the team is well aware of that. As much as Brad Tree Living, you know, tried to pull the wool over everybody's eyes by saying that this blue line is underrated, but if I wanted to start somewhere, and I guess we'll start there, I'd start with the blue line, and and it's the same old, same old story of a team that is over-resourced uh, in four players in the forward lines, and therefore way under-resourced on the blue line. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the blue line because that was one of the biggest question marks going into this season. Yes, they added big up front with maybe Domi and Bertuzzi, and we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. 
But I wanted to ask you your overall thoughts on Timothy Lilligren. I mean, we're looking at, uh, he's been in the league for a, a while now, and he's kind of just stopped at being that top six, kind of sixth, seventh defenseman. And I just haven't seen him evolve a little bit more than maybe I thought I would. They saw the decision last year to, to move past Sandine. And now we're looking at Lilligren, which we, he's just kind of installed at, at where he is at the sixth or seventh defenseman. Yeah. Position. Yeah, and that's and that's been the concern with him from the very beginning, right? And no, nobody doubts his physical capabilities. He's a very good athlete. Um, you know, he's, he's he's a tough tough kid. He's not afraid to hit people. Uh, there's lots of, there's lots of positives on the the sort of tools side of the equation, right? He's got tools, and the question has always been: Does he have the, the processor? Does he have the ability to sort of make decisions in the moment uh, that every defenseman has to make in the NHL that are very quick decisions? Nobody's saying they're easy. Uh, no one's saying that, you know, they're, this is a simple game for Demon because Demon are in a constant state of trying to, you know, make that calculation of can I can I jump into the play and provide the offense that Sheldon Keefe says we need from the back end. And, you know, Keefe has been very clear about that in the, in the preseason and in the training camp that they really want to see more offense from the blue line because they certainly were laggards in that department last year. Uh, so, so these demon are in that position of, you know, can I pinch? Can I can I jump into the rush? Can I go deep and and uh, try and make an offensive play at the risk of leaving the blue line to a forward and hoping that they take over for me? And 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 look, I think Tim Lilligren's just, you know, having a hard time figuring those things out. Those are hard decisions to make, uh, and and he's and he just hasn't proven particularly adept at them. But he's not the only one, right? Like, like this this blue line has got a lot of them. But I'm with you. Like, I found it somewhat surprising that they moved off Sandine, um, especially because it meant, you know, giving opportunity to Lilligren. Um, and he hasn't done anything to dissuade me from the notion that he's got a long way to go uh, in figuring out how to play at the NHL level. Do you think playing with a 40-year-old Giordano has any sort of factor about the decisions he makes, maybe jumping up into the play offensively? Yeah, I guess when when Giordano's good and 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 he has been really good in, in if, as long as his minutes are kept reasonable, um, I think it's great to play with a guy with that experience, right? It can be you know, and in, in theory, it can be a really great experience for a younger player to have the ability to to learn from a guy like Mark Giordano, who's obviously been to the top of the mountain in terms of winning a Norris Trophy, you know, if not. You know, been a Stanley Cup, but certainly has has done a lot of great things at the NHL level, and done it for an awfully long time. But I think there there you hit another problem though is that Giordano is you know certainly in the playoffs last year really showed his age, and I think part of that is the fact that they've overused him because they've been so undermanned on the blue line that they felt like they have to overuse him, which makes him less of an asset because suddenly he's exposed as being, you know, the oldest skater in the NHL, which he is. So um, they should be using him a lot less than they have. They end up using him more and it turns into a bit of a vicious circle that doesn't benefit the Leafs in the end. It certainly doesn't benefit Giordano because he doesn't look as, as good as he could. Um, how it affects Timothy Lilligren. Look, you'd love to say, you know, you can, you can learn all these skills by osmosis that you can, you can become a great decision maker uh, being, you know, paired next to a great decision maker. It doesn't always seem to work that way. And it certainly doesn't seem to be working that way uh, on a regular basis with Timothy Lilligren. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And I think we'll end it there, David. Like I said before, I appreciate you taking the time to join me and and talk about your experience so far through the first four games. And hopefully we can have a, a great rest of the regular season and maybe see some success in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be something, Hunter? (laughs) We've been waiting a long time, but you know what? I think it's, uh, man, nobody gives, uh, gives us content like the Maple Leafs and uh, no matter what happens, there'll be something to talk about for sure. Oh yeah. Aren't we lucky with the content this team gives us? (laughs) All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Dave. Take care. It's always cool to catch up with reporters who are actually in the room and can talk to the players and talk to you about what they're seeing on players' faces. Not all the conversations that players have with the media are in front of the camera, so it's always nice to talk to guys like Dave and get that feeling of what he's seeing. And especially for Dave, like I hate to age him here, but like I, he's been around this team for much longer than I have. He's been able to watch. And what he said in the interview about you know noticing different things you know whether it be with Domi or things on the back end I know we discussed a lot uh it's interesting to get his take thanks to you thank you all for listening and continuing to support the podcast I really do appreciate it still trying to get used to doing this by myself but uh hey we'll get there uh feel free to subscribe head over to our social media pages like I mentioned before Leave reviews, send me a text, call me, do whatever you need to to do to to make this show a little bit better for your liking. Uh, We will see you next week.